everyone and welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we belatedly come back from an, uh, an unplanned hiatus to talk about Stargate SG-1 and uh, Season 1, Episode 16, Enigma this time, uh, where we get to meet uh, a fun little side uh, culture, uh, not culture, but like some people that, that are going to show up back up again later down the line, prog- progress some uh, some like background lore arcs and also uh, just have fun. Uh, <laughs> so joining me today, we have M. Hello. And returning from our Sliders bonus episode, but I think doing your first appearance on a regular episode of that this podcast, correct. we have J- we have Jack. Cree. Hi, Cree. Welcome to Jeffa Takes. And thank you for filling in for uh, for <laughs> all our other regular people who couldn't be on uh, for the last like three weekends in a row due, due to various calamities. Yeah, uh, there's some there's some stuff. I, yeah, there there there's some stuff that happened that I'm not going to talk about on this podcast because like it's personal. But like it's kind of funny that Zach was gonna was gonna be on this weekend, and then he lives somewhere where Hurricane Ian. Uh, a hit. Uh, he's fine. His house is fine, but apparently, uh, uh, like thunder hit his house and it fried his computer, and that's why I think he can't he's be in on South Carolina somewhere. Yeah, something like that. Uh, in in the south of the U.S., uh, like he uh, he he posted like uh, like don't 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 go stalk where he lives or anything. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure he showed like a map of the hurricane and said, "Welp, that line is going straight through my house." So that's nice. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but we 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 rallied. We rec- we recovered thanks to you, Jack, uh, who offered to be on for the to, yeah, to, yeah, to sub in this week. Yeah, thank you, uh, so that we can finally cover <laughs> this one, which which is what I was like looking forward. Okay, so first of all, Jack, uh, I don't think like well, you were on the Sliders episode, so you must have talked about uh, your history with Sliders. But tell us about uh, you and Stargate. How, how did how how familiar are you with this franchise? And uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, where did you first watch Stargate? First of all, well, I first watched Stargate with my dad back in like probably early early 2000s mm-hmm. i would watch it at my grandmother's house on the weekend when we went to visit and it was yeah. always fun yeah it was like so have you been sorry no go ahead yeah so have you like uh followed the whole series after that or is, is that just a show you caught once in a while uh, like 20 uh, years ago actually we did we followed it religiously in fact mm-hmm. when i went to a camp on the the week that the final episode was airing, I actually oh, had nice. my dad recorded on tape. Oh, that's remember great! Remember those kids? Remember tapes? <laughs> it was before your time. <laughs> nice, yeah. We watched well, that, uh, that's we, cool. We watched Atlantis, but unfortunately, like uh, I don't think we ever really caught the end of that one. 
but mm-hmm. in universe is a blind spot for me. Okay, I yeah. Stopped watching for a while after the event, which I won't talk yeah. about. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Universe is you know we're real far off from talking about universe, but it's one of those shows that was had a rough start and kind of improved as it went along, and then got canceled because the network lost patience for it, and it was right around. It was in. 2011 or something i think that that ended and that it was, was right a, around where sorry that was around the sci-fi channel rebrand as Siffy, yes. right yeah that's yep. what i was gonna say that's when they changed the name and they went okay you know what maybe like scripted sci-fi is not what people are in for anymore like that that's around when they canceled caprica as well which was their other big show that they had on at the time which was the the spin-off from battlestar galactica uh like, and uh, they they sorry like Lord knows who would want to go to the sci-fi channel to watch scripted sci-fi. <laughs> right. They want to watch right? wrestling instead. Yeah. And reality TV and stuff. And, you know, uh, get that, you know, to get on the same kind of, uh, of, of mail that discovery and stuff was on where you, you just like have Mythbusters and a bunch of reality shows and ancient aliens and shit like that. Uh, so that, that was fun. And then we had like a nice big, Extent, like a, a, a few years where there was basically no sci-fi on TV other than like a few things on streaming services. Like that was around when like, you know, Netflix, Daredevil, Marvel stuff was on and like the CW, DC shows. And then like it kind of made a comeback. It a... happened to also be the time where everyone started watching Doctor Who because it was the yeah, only yeah, sci-fi yeah. ever left. Yeah, what? that was that was the one thing that, that kept going. And uh, it, it like... Doctor Who releases episodes uh, sporadically enough that you have time to do a whole archive binge in between. So that uh, that helped people. Me and my dad were OG on the reboot for Doctor Who, watching it on the Sci-Fi channel. Nice. Eccleston is still my favorite of the new Doctors. Yeah, I yeah, Eccleston like my, me too. Like ninth is like season one of the re of the, the 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 new Who is the best of all those seasons in my opinion still to this day, um, easily by far. Uh, Eccleston, who is uh, I hope he's still grinning to his ears about the fact that the Queen has died. <laughs> uh, <laughs> n- n- known known monarchy non fan Christopher Eccleston. Um, imagine a Scot not liking the gov- the monarchy. Yeah, who 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 could believe that, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is Enigma, as I alluded to earlier. So yeah, I, ju- I just thank you for uh, telling us about your backstory with this. No problem. Uh, so that I know that we're three we're three uh, fans, I guess, three gateheads on on this week who can uh, kind of jam about Stargate and, <laughs> and, right. and and know and know about the Tolans because uh, this my is chair yeah. on backwards as we speak. <laughs> Right, yes. Hey, you know who uh, was reborn from ashes? Speaking of ashes, you know, you know, Ash Wednesday, something Catholics or oh, whatever. Uh, they, we open on a planet covered in ash, is what I'm trying to say, uh, <laughs> with a nice volcano matte painting in the back. Uh, so a real bad scene. Uh, it's it's uh, we're in the middle of a volcanic interruption, and this is planet Tolan. I guess the Tolans were kind of like the Vulcans in that they have the same name as the planet they're on, but this is the only time we ever see planet Tolan because, uh, as we see in this episode, it gets completely obliterated by this volcano. Uh, And and or question mark, like, 
so shift wanna, the planetary orbits. Well, for our brief moment of being here, I want to point out, BC uh-huh. does have... British Columbia does have active volcanoes in it, so we are still <laughs> within the permit of this being a Vancouver planet. <laughs> I don't think they went to an active eruption to film this, because... Oh, no, I, this, I, is, this is definitely a soundstage, but also, uh-huh. <laughs> it could be a Vancouver planet. Imagine how lucky they'd be if Mount Whatever in the Rockies just happened to erupt and cover the entire Canadian West Coast in deadly ash uh, for people to choke to death on. For go, Whoa, wait. Just imagine this is Mount Rainier completely destroying Seattle. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but yeah, no, this is a soundstage with a matte painting, and the lava is very far away, except for that one little crater that, that appears to be glowing in the foreground there. Um, and like it's, it's snowing ash, you know, uh, as, as, as we know, ash does in a volcanic eruption and covers everything. Uh, and they, 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 they walk, uh, so as the, the, the Stargate is open and SG-1 walks out of there, uh, and they, they look all surprised and stuff because, uh, they, they did, like they mentioned in dialogue that they, they sent a probe through and none of this was going on when they did that. So clearly, like, that volcano just erupted, like, how within the last half w- hour. How long did they wait between the probe and this? Because, like, <laughs> these guys are, like, buried in ash already. Uh huh. And, like, you would think, once once they said, well, I mean, Ash is like you've heard of Pompeii, right? How people were absolutely caught off guard, and some of some people were mummified in the middle of whatever they were doing and found in the same position. Like there's a notorious dead guy who was masturbating, who was found still in that position in uh-huh. Pompeii. Hey, um, yeah, but we we're gonna we're gonna see in this episode. They all knew this was coming. Yeah, th- so that's the thing. Like, I, gu- I guess the Tolans were. I- <laughs> I like the my theory that the Tolans were right on plan. They were on their shit. Like their 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 mission was to shut off the Stargate. They were unscheduled, and then boom, Earth dialed that planet and like blocked the Stargate for them, and they couldn't do anything. And oops, Ash, <laughs> that's what happened. Which which would give Omak a good reason to be real ornery as he is for this whole episode about the humans there. Uh, he I is mean, humans so there. ornery. It's crazy. Yeah, he's very mean and bitter and angry and doesn't want anything to do with the people of Earth. Uh, <laughs> they really picked a good, like, angry-looking mean guy to play him. As as it's, we mentioned. Uh, oh wait, we mentioned this off mic. Well, we'll we'll see him later on. But the actor who plays Omak would later become mostly known for playing the Jigsaw Killer on the Saw movies. Uh, <laughs> so. You know, it's it's all it's all in character for him, I guess. To quite be quite a diverse quite, range of roles. Yeah, n- not quite a psycho in this one. Like he- he's actually not even an antagonist. He's just really like angry and mad. I don't want to cooperate with you. Um, so yeah, SG One is like, okay, uh, this clearly just happened. Dial, dial that gate the fuck up right now, please. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah right on it. Uh, don't need to tell me twice. And then when he's about to go do that, he spots like someone lying on the ground a little distance away and everything, like the whole dial the, the gate now plan just apparently is up in the air now and no one is like rushing to the DHD to do what he was about to do. Uh, you would think there, there's four of them. Someone can dial the gate while everyone else checks out the survivors. Uh, but I guess uh, efficiency is... <laughs> It's not their main concern here. I mean, hell, they could have um, had Teal do it. He's seen it operated before. 
Yeah, they all like for sure every SG team, like they have to learn the the Earth's coordinates and have it drilled into their hands until they can do it in their sleep. Because that's gotta be the first thing you learn before they let you go to a different planet. So any of them could do it easily. Um, it's a, it's a good thing they don't have to tran it's a good thing they don't have to translate the symbols to co local constellations and yeah, triangulate or, or positions anymore. Or, or figure out which symbol is the point of origin, because that should be different on every Stargate. I, I, I would assume the button for the point of origin is always in the same spot on the DHD, and it's just the symbol on it changes. That, that seems just, like it would uh, be the easiest way to do it. Just have the point of origin button be the big one in the middle. Yeah, you, you could just simplify all of that, yeah, the same way that, you know, you wouldn't... Uh, dial your own area code when you need to, to call locally, even though here in Montreal, you do need to dial your own area code if you want to call locally because when they had to introduce sure you the actually second... have to do that like all, in all of Canada now? Oh, all of Canada, okay. I thought it was just in uh, like urban areas where there's like two area codes because Montreal has a second area code since I, like the t 2010 or something like that. Uh, and like they added a different one for the South Shore, like a ten years before that, where it all used to be five one four before. Now it's three different nah, ones. I'm, I'm in like the exact middle between nor Southern and Northern Ontario. I'm middle yeah. of nowhere, and I got to dial the my area code. So all right, there you go. Well, <laughs> what I said would have been accurate and current if we were still in 1998, as this episode was when it was aired. Uh, <laughs> But uh, also keep keep my phone metaphor in mind for next week because uh, that's going to be relevant. Um, so yeah, uh, they 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 found they find like a a, a few bo different bodies, like mostly covered in mostly buried in ash, with their faces sticking out so that they're not quite suffocating, but they're in bad shape. Um, and like they start discussing, do we even have time to save these people? How much time do we have? And like O'Neill, there's a kind of a funny moment where O'Neill kind of stares at Carter and asks her, or like, I, yeah, and she's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, G, I'm not a, volcano, a volcanologist. I, I can't have every expertise in the scientific universe. <laughs> I appreciate these early episodes where she, where she's like this. Yeah, yeah, she's gonna be like, she's an astrophysicist, and like, to be fair, most of the big scientific problems she solves are gonna revolve around, uh, you know, physics and space and stuff. It's like, uh, <laughs> she's basically like, damn it, Jack, I'm an astro whatever, and yeah. not a volcanologist. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, but as she's yelling that back at Carter, we see that the man who's laying uh, right under where she is, like, kind of wakes up and sees her. And there's like a point of view shot where he looks at her and it, it goes a little bit slow motion because, oh, she's so beautiful and, and everything. And he's Give only... goo-goo eyes. Yeah. And he's only slightly delirious from breathing in ash and like the, 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 the burning hot air that surrounds him. So don't worry too much about it. Um, <laughs> it, it reminds me a little bit of like when Frodo sees Arwen in Lord of the Rings and like she's wearing completely different clothes from his point of view. It's weird. Um, but she's like, she's just Carter. They just play it a little bit in slow motion to make it, uh, like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, Wait, no, then Carter goes and sees an, uh, another person. Wait, no, okay, she's next to Omak, and Nareem is just off in the distance and, and looks at her. Because, uh, like, she she starts helping this man, this jigsaw killer-looking fellow, up, and uh -huh. he grabs her wrist and says, do not help us. And she just kind of stares at him uh, with fear in her eyes. <laughs> and uh, that's it for the cold open. So when we get uh, back from the opening credits, we're on Earth, and for the rest of the episode, that's where we are. 
this is mostly an Earth episode. We just had this little like, uh, uh, this little like initial like uh, called oh, what do you whatever you call the initial state of a story. Cold open. You, yeah, the cold open uh, <laughs> set on a different planet to set up everything else that happens here. Um, so they have like. All the the Tolan survivors pulled out of the Stargate on well, uh, the, taken on stretchers to the infirmary. As like Hammond goes over and asks them, "What's going on here?" Uh, <laughs> they say, "Yeah, uh, there's a big ass volcano there. Uh, it was really hard, and we just got these people out and got got out of there as fast as we could." Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, there you go. Uh, so they have a little debriefing scene where they talk about uh they they talk about these people a little bit they they, they discuss the enigma which is by the way I don't like the title of this episode it's, it's like the mystery of the tolans is not that much central to it it's kind of just like the start of it i guess i guess the, the, they're also going to wonder later on how they can walk through walls and stuff but it's not that big a mystery spoiler yeah, well, I mean, this, this episode, hey, with the, our position is, if you're listening to this episode, you should have watched this episode of the show. Uh, <laughs> or you're going to be uh, spoiled anyway in like 20 minutes when we get there, so. Yeah, that, that's it. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> like, you shouldn't, you should never listen to a rewatch podcast at the same time as you're watching a show for the first time. That's an insane thing We can't thing all to be do. Luke. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He would do that because he would watch the wrong episode of Power Rangers back when he was on that. Uh, <laughs> um, so they have this... Yeah, so they, they basically say, so did you spot any buildings? Is there any technology? And, you know, with these big clouds of ash, it's really hard to see anything. Uh, but, like, they have... These people have tech on them, and they've run, uh, you know, uh, electro detector things on them to... to to determine that they emit electromagnetic fields, which does suggest that these things are technology of some kind, but they haven't been able to figure out anything about it. Um, so before we get too far, I want to talk about just what the to- what the Tolon wear. Yeah. Because that's kind of integ that ends up being integral to my understanding of them as a people and their overall role in this episode. Uh-huh. They're they're all wearing like these these uniform jumps, these uniform jumpsuits that yeah. apparently are just full of full of tech that yeah. we can't really see, but whatever. S- silver jumpsuits, and they have these like rubber braces around their arms and their chest that like hold apparently have slots on them to hold these little doodads that they wear on themselves that can do any number of things. We see at least two uses for these things in this one episode. Uh, so it's 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 very much you know that. I think it's Heinlein, like that, that a sufficiently advanced tech that can just be magic and it doesn't matter because it's so far ahead of us. Uh, it's know, not I'm quite just, that much, but yeah. I'm just going to go with my realization for this episode right now, just because just mm-hmm. I think it peppers the entire thing really well. Uh-huh. This is a Stargate ep- This is not a regular Stargate episode. This is a no. Star Trek episode from the other side. Right. That's the thing. That's yeah, I was. I, I, w- I wanted to get there. Yeah, the, their outfits I, are like mm-hmm. the are like the first Star Trek movie uniforms. Oh yeah, a little bit. You're right. The silver yeah, uniforms. They're, they, they're just a really cheap version of those uniforms. They, they make me think, especially with their helmets and goggles that they had on the planet that they're not going to wear anymore. They they make me think of minions. Really, <laughs> to me, they kind of look like they're dressed the same way as minions are. Uh, weirdly enough, but. Uh, 
But you're right. And yes, this is absolutely like I think this is specifically the intent that the writers had when writing this episode is they said, you know, we're a sci-fi show. We're on Earth in the present day. What if we met Star Trek people and had to deal with them the way half, that half of other our people at this point are reused Star Trek scripts? Right. And they just this is like an original twist on it, right? Because they say, what if the Star Trek people are the other guys that we meet and we have to be the ones that don't get anything and that they're they're being real cagey about everything and they don't want to share anything. So that that's like the basic precept of this episode and it kind of builds into something more. Uh, it, it's pretty interesting what they do with it and like then how they keep the Tolan around for like I think they're in four total episodes over the course of the series, so they 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 do come back. They do some fun stuff with the Tolans. Um, yeah, the, the Tolan are one of my one of my favorite of the other out there factions in yes. SG One. It, it's funny because like I think everyone who's watched all of Stargate SG One has like strong memories of the Tolans as like aside uh, people on the planets that we go back to regularly, and they're like out there part of the lore. They don't appear that much over the series, like. But all four of Tolan episodes are really memorable, and they're episodes that everyone remembers because like significant plot, like beats happen at each one of those four episodes that you remember. So you feel like they're always there, but they're nowhere near, they don't have anywhere near the presence of like the Tok'ra uh, or the Jaffa or whatever. Uh, mostly, like uh, mostly the ones that I remember are, are uh, the Asgard, which have you, have they been seen <laughs> in person yet? Yeah. Uh, no, not in person. We've seen like we've seen like a hologram saying he was Thor so far. So it, yeah. they're still in the phase of like teasing the, the Asgard, but the Asgard is, are going to show up uh, bodily in season two. And like, yeah, the Asgard do show up a lot unless more you, than the Tolan. Unless you also. count for, unless you count Ra in the first couple minutes of the movie. <laughs> yes, yes, that 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 <laughs> fan theory that Ra's previous host was an Asgard, which I still think is good, and we should keep believing. Uh. <laughs> but like, yeah, I I don't I mostly only remember the big important races like the Gwawuld, obviously. Yeah, and, the, yeah uh, you know, uh, there's a bunch of them that are from later in the series that we haven't seen yet. So like, and spoiler. Uh, yeah, race. we can't talk too much about them, but like, yeah, the Gold, the Jaffa, the Tok'ra, the Tolan are one. Uh, the Nox are there, like we see them in this episode, but they really don't. They're like, about as common much. as the Tolan. Like they show up occasionally, and they're yeah. memorable when they do. But right, uh, there's you know, there's the other bad guys. There's I don't I don't want to name like there, there's <laughs> the at least other bad three guys and the other other bad guys. Yeah, that that yeah. There's at least like three other big important alien races that if I name them right now, it's it's kind of giving too much information about them. Uh, just like and you get over to Atlantis and there's the Wraith and the Jani and whatever. And there's the weird aliens on Universe that I don't think ever get named, but they're like the main antagonists of Universe. Um, but like you would be I mean, forgiven the main for forgetting. Of universe is Jeffrey is Jeffrey Rush, but yeah, that's the 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 the, the, the it turns out it's man Captain Barbosa's on it. Yep, <laughs> uh, it's um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I Honestly, the actor's when we did name. when we did Torment of Tantalus, we should have never mentioned that we saw, never see the furlings and could should have just kept that as a joke going forward. That uh-huh. just whenever we wanted to talk about one of the other ones, we say the furlings. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the Tolans are the, fr- uh, or as they're known other in other spaces, the Furlings. Uh, <laughs> Aren't the, uh, clearly the Furlings are cute. 
Huh? Well, I mean, we see them as a joke clip in 200 in a thing that clearly never happened and is non-canon, but, you know. It's God, the... I, I can't wait for y'all to get to that. That it, episode is something else. It, in a, yeah, in, in many years. long-ass way. <laughs> this is episode 16, and uh, <laughs> we're talking about the 200th episode right now. So um, It'll only be 10 years. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so, uh, getting back <laughs> to the plot of this episode, uh, they have a little conversation <laughs> where uh, they establish, like, uh, Hammond is confused because he says, so, these people are human, yeah, uh, we, I, we thought that all humans in the galaxy came from Earth, yes, that's correct, uh, weren't all humans taken as slaves by Ra in ancient Egypt and then built up from there, or from other cultures, because we've seen, you know, Norse people and Mongols and whatever. Um, and Daniel's like, yeah, but over here on Earth, we had this thing called the Dark Ages, where uh, <laughs> good old Christianity was around and, and stopped any, like, cultural or scientific progress. And, like, if, uh, if on some other planet they didn't have that, they could have, like, really lapped us and went way ahead of us. And that's, that's, not how that, that's not how history works, Daniel. There, no, it's there not. There was a whole lot of Earth that was not affected by the Dark Ages. That's the thing. Daniel Jackson, Dr. Daniel Jackson, buddy, you're an anthropologist. Maybe you might have heard a little bit something about, you know, the Islamic advances in science during the Middle Ages or perhaps the Indian or Chinese. At least throw out the burning of the Library of Alexandria with that statement. Yeah, it's not just... And even then, that was not even that big because there were copies of a lot of those elsewhere. Yeah, I I think, I believe, okay, don't quote me on that. But I believe we don't actually know the amount of stuff that was lost in the Library of Alexandria, so it's really up in the air. It could be any, any amount of stuff. But yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> All of those. Um, it's, you know, just because Christianity was doing its Inquisition and stuff in Europe doesn't mean other cultures didn't advance. And like, granted, a bunch Especially of like... Especially since, going by the show's own logic, everyone was taken from Earth pre-Christianity. Uh-huh, Yeah. So you would think you would think maybe actually there would be a bunch of really advanced human uh, races out there, and you know as, as it happens, there's more than one. Uh, but the Tolans are maybe the most iconic group of advanced humans that we see. Uh, they're, or, or, they're they're probably the they're the most advanced out of the ones we're going to see for a while. Yeah, I mean, like in two episodes, we're going to see another human planet that is clearly has advanced to like red dwarf levels of technology. We're, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, Tin Man is a fun episode, um, but uh, yeah, there's like so basically this is this is the show giving itself carte blanche to uh, to say you know we we can go to sci-fi planets too. We don't just have to go. We don't just have to have the Doctor Who historical episodes. We can have the fun ones also. We can have Daleks if we want to have them. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so they can have a little Dalek as a treat. Yeah, little little Dalek as a treat for the viewers. Um, so what that yeah. suction cup do. <laughs> yeah, the the, de- the deadly suction cup and the broom or whatever. Um, um, yeah, so they go to the infirmary and we get like a familiar sight. If you've if you've seen the first Saw movie, uh, the you know spoiler for Saw. 
the first one, uh, you, you first see the killer in the background of a hospital scene where he's uh, unconscious on a hospital bed. And there he is right there uh, in, in a hospital, a hospital bed. bed. Yeah, well, I mean, he's mostly conscious. He, he has a, an oxygen mask on, but everyone else approaches him to talk to him and he takes it off to talk to them. Um, I just he's very love angry. how angry he is this oh, yeah. episode. He's, so he's, mad. he's instantly hostile to these people. He just asks, what is this place? Uh, where are we? And like, he, ju- he just wants to ask questions and doesn't answer anything. And they say, oh, you're on Earth. We saved you. We brought you here because uh, there was a volcano on your planet. And he says, nope, you didn't save me. I specifically said to leave us there. Uh, and he, he's like clearly angry at them. And they're like... No, I mean, you would have choked to death on ash and burned to death in lava. You do realize that, right? You you understand what a volcano is. Um, and and he's like, yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, he doesn't, like, from what we'll see at the end of the show, I think, like, what Omak's plan was is that he, like, kind of, like, beeped over to a ship that was in orbit and they were waiting to get beamed up or whatever. Um, and, like, maybe the ship would have gotten there, but, you know, Daniel does make a good point that half the people they saw there were already dead so maybe like bringing them over here was actually a better idea than whatever uh whatever daring last second escape plan they had uh it, being on earth is only marginally better than being cooked to death by super uh-huh. hot volcanic oh, ash to, to to this guy it is because earth doesn't have any cool tech all they have is concrete and lights and computers and that that's it because he he's he straight up calls them primitive at this point to to him it's like he was brought to a middle ages planet basically he's like oh fuck off y'all i was like i was perfectly happy dying choking on ash on my nice future planet and you had to bring me over here where you eat your own poop or whatever uh and like they like they, on my home planet we choked on ash and by god we like <laughs> yeah that's that's what like it made us strong that's that's that we we, we call that Wednesday over there. Um, <laughs> and like the, the humans present around his bed, take that a little bit uh, personally, as, you know, understandably, because he's being really condescending towards them. Until I mean, how many planets have they called primitive at this point? Uh, yeah, that's the other thing, right? You, you were just like on a medieval planet undergoing a medieval trial, and you weren't really happy with them. And Jack, if you'll recall, your plan was to shoot your guns in the air to scare them into giving over Teal. So, you know, uh, <laughs> how does it feel to... Turnabout is fair play. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Frankly, they're being significantly more reasonable than you're, you've been every time you've had a bad bad experience with the locals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Teal'c tries to uh, tries to the, the soft approach where he says, "You know, I came from a different planet too. It was different, but I came here. I learned. Now I like it. It's fine. These are my friends. You can trust them." Uh, and Omar like, just uh, replies to him, that's a hell of a thing to say for Jaffa, which tells us, oh, this guy knows about Jaffa, huh? Maybe like we need to talk more to him, uh, which is like what Hammond decides to do right now. And he's like, okay, you just said the magic word. We're going to ask you everything about the ghoul now because we need whatever you, you can tell us because uh, we're kind of up shit creek over here ab- about these gold and uh, we might use whatever you have to tell us and he says okay i am omak and uh, he says uh yeah he does tell them like okay the, he gives them the basics he gives them his name the name of his planet which is tolan and he says so hammond asks him some more about the golden jaffa and he says well yeah we know about them we don't really interact with them so um 
So Hyman is like, yeah, so we should, you know, we have a common enemy. And like, Oak straight up says, did you even listen to what I said? <laughs> I just said we don't interact with them. They're not our enemies. We don't like, we don't have a relationship with them. So I don't care really about your stuff. Um, um, so it yeah. basically tells Hammond to go, uh, go sit on a rock or yeah, something. Yeah, go, go sit on a rock. He says, like, bring us everything you took from us and then, like, send us back home, please. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, guess he's not, he, he's, he really stonewalls their request for, uh, for information. And, like, okay, so they say, yeah, you know, uh, Maybe like going back home, not great right now, cause, uh, cause, you know, the volcano and stuff. Uh, so how about we put that on the back burner for now and we like just have a little chat, you know, about cultures and history. Nothing about tech. I'm Daniel. I'm the, I'm the culture guy. You can trust me. I'm not, a, I'm not after you technology, me. Uh, <laughs> um, and like Omak once again is like, Oh, give me a fucking break. I don't want to talk to you. I don't care. <laughs> So and like he he just like kind of turns turns over on in his bed and almost seems like he's pretending to fall back asleep to stop talking to these people. <laughs> the classic. Yep, I am tired now. I will take a nap. Um, he just looks at Daniels and he and hears the spiel and he's like, "Oh no, no, I'm not, no. I'm not done with this shit. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any interest in your fucking backwards primitive culture over here on Earth." So. Please kindly get the fuck out of here. Um, and as they are doing that, uh, we see once again Nareem, this other Tolan guy who has not yet been named, uh, takes off his his oxygen mask also and uh, gives uh, Carter a little stare as she's walking out and she looks back at him and he's like, oh, she's so pretty once again, but doesn't say anything. Um so yeah, so they have uh, they set up a UAV in the gate room that they're gonna like fly through the Stargate to go check out the Tolan uh, because obviously they can't send someone back there. Uh, and they explain what it is. Basically, it's like a probe, but it's in the air. Uh, they're actually gonna use that thing a bunch. So this is a this is a, a new established thing that they have. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so wh- while they're explaining what a UAV is. Uh, Daniel says, uh, you know, this, this other Tolan, Nareem, uh, really wants to talk to you, actually, and maybe you should go talk to him because, uh, no one else there is, is talking to us. Because apparently, like, there's, there's like eight other Tolan extras that don't say a single word in this, in this episode. Presumably, they're all also stonewalling them like Omak, but they don't seem mean or anything. They seem perfectly nice. Uh, <laughs> but for some reason, Nareem is the only one we know to ha- be, open to any kind of communication with the humans uh, no, they're, they're, they're just straight up I'm, I'm imagining they're just straight up not just not talking they're just ignoring whoever talk, tries to talk to them just. Yep. It's just not, I'm an extra I can't say anything just leave me alone I know Amanda Tapping starts vetting the scripts at some point but mm-hmm. has she started yet or is this I, still where I, it's it fe- I mean this is once again this is the f- I think the fifth 
and last Carter-centric episode of the first season. And this is, like, this one and uh, Singularity, which was, like, two episodes ago, are better than the first three, cer- certainly. Oh, it's um, still better, but a... it's, yeah. still, it's yeah. still a little bit... Um, um, okay, so this yeah. entire thing just revolves around this guy being attracted to Carter. Yeah, and it's yeah like, she, oh, she, she gets a love interest in this episode, and it's because she's so damn pretty, and, like, she's going to talk to him a little bit, and she's going to be like... Actually, I, like she's gonna talk science to him and stuff, and he's gonna be like, "Oh, you're so cute when you speak big words and stuff like that." But also, like he's an idiot, and it's really it's gonna be really funny to like hear that coming from a guy who doesn't understand what bed sheets are. So, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a it's a weird mishmash of things this episode. But you are right that the two good Carters this episode are one where she she's she's like a mother figure to a little girl and one where she's like a an object of romantic attraction from a man so yikes so yeah there you go she gets like hey she Kevin, watch the rest of this season. season two starts with a carter arc that is really good and has nothing to do with that stuff so keep on keeping on everyone um <laughs> the greatest carter moment is yet to come yep it's, i want to talk about it so bad yeah it's coming like we're, we have like six episodes left of this season and then boom boom we're we're there we're basically there um, <laughs> um, yeah, so for now, she, she goes over and talks to Nareem, who, like, I just want to say the actor who plays Nareem is also going to play a different role later on Stargate. He's going to play, like, Elizabeth Weir's boyfriend, like, at the start of Atlantis. Uh, I just, I mean, it's not really relevant. It's just that it's funny when people play more than one, um, uh, one character, and we're going to be like, hey, why is we're dating Nareem? That's weird. I point <laughs> at the screen and say, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, like, do the Leonardo DiCaprio meme, basically. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that, he's not the only person for the, which this is a case. It's got, especially with actors who play rubber-headed aliens, like we've already mentioned. Uh, Tuplo, who shows up in this episode, also played the underwater fish guy in that one other episode, so whatever. Um, so you know, uh, they, don't, they don't try sending the toll in there. That 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 was a planet that had technology. Yeah, that kidnapped them and wiped <laughs> their memories. But you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't even mention that one. It's true that the but like they would say the fish are primitive or whatever. We don't we don't want fish. We don't like water. We only like volcanoes and ash. Um, volcanoes kick ass. Fish <laughs> are lame and stupid. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, Carter goes over to talk to Nareem, and they, they just talk, and he's like, Nareem, uh, does the little cute, meet-cute thing where he's like, uh, doctor, or is it c- captain? Because he's also confused, as a lot of people seem to be, about the fact that she has an academic and military uh, rank, I guess. Uh, but she says, ah, just call me Sam. Because, like, yeah, she's just trying to be friendly. And he, like, has the very soulful, deep eyes and the, the very, like, bre- breathy voice and says, and then you may call me Nareem. Because he's clearly infatuated with her. Um, and Hammond says, so Nareem's been asking about this planet, actually. He's, uh, of all these people, he's the only one who seems to give a shit about anything that's going on here. So uh, how about you go up topside and show him the surface of the Earth? And she's like, okay, yeah, sounds good. Let's go. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and then Carter seems like kind of concerned about uh, the security risks there because, you know, the surface and they don't seem to allow many aliens up there. But I guess what they have big tech you're trying to get, you try to uh, make them happy. So, uh, romance those uh, aliens, Carter. The, we the, need their tech. Yep. Yeah, the, the Tolan, the Tolan uniform looks so much more Star Trek in the, in the sunlight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it really does. It's sparkly. Um, so yeah, they they go up to the surface, which is obviously once again the same Vancouver. I think this is the first time we've we've seen the Earth's exterior of the SGC on the series, which is still the except same. Except for the front, except for the front door, but yeah, yeah, it, it, and it's still you know that same Vancouver forest, but they've installed a big metal door to show that that's the exit hatch for the SGC. I guess that's the. That's the, 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 the pedestrian entrance because there's also a car tunnel that you can go into, but that must be off, off to the side of it because obviously it's a close-up and there's no relation to the establishing shot we keep seeing. And there's a truck right there. They also yes, the door up. is just outside of the camera's view. Very convenient yep, that way. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, it's it's so, on the other side of the mountain. Yep. So they have a, a, a little walk being, you know, escorted by uh, Air Force people that are that just keep uh, pace, uh, like, five paces behind them to make sure Nareem doesn't do anything. Um, and they, they, so they have a little chat as they're walking. And Nareem says, okay, first of all, I wanted to be the one guy who tells you thank you for saving our lives. Uh, I guess all those other people are, are assholes, but I didn't want to die in ash, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, okay, she's like, all right, yeah, you're welcome. You should tell all your friends to be grateful like you are because they're being a little rude, actually. Uh, and, then, and then, like, Nareem launches into some uh, bullshit about how, like, he thought he was dying and then I saw you and I heard, like, a choir of angels or whatever. He doesn't say angels and he says they have a legend on his planet about beings that come when you think you're about to die and they're really beautiful and whatever. And she says, oh, yeah, we have that too. They're called angels. So yeah, there about is. Valkyries, so, you, Carter. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know that very specific. It just reminds me very specifically of a scene in episode one where Anakin had basically the exact oh, yeah. same speech. Are you an angel? Oh my god! Yeah. Are you an angel? <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Uh, but she like he fell in love with her. He doesn't tell her that quite yet because he's got a little more, bit more uh, restraint than that. Jack, you brought it up the whole thing about Valkyries, and it's like all those might be real, sort of, maybe. I mean, uh, if the Asgard are, I don't think we, I don't they, think we ever must, see Valkyries, but there might we be don't like see them. But yeah. like, if if part of that myth is true, there, there yeah, might be something right. there. We just don't. They might be like a class of Asgard ship or whatever, you know. That that's that seems like a, the kind of thing they'd have, or like that, that that was the that was the name of their ships that they brought the people to the planets with. Yeah, maybe, or like the robots or something. I don't know. Robots, Asgard, foreshadowing. Um, so yeah, they, they 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 talk a little bit about yeah, you know, and she says, yeah, we, we call them angels, and he says, oh, do you believe in them? And she's like, well, you know, some people do, but whatever, there's all kinds of beliefs. Um, and, like, he he, he, he pulls out the, 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 the charm and he says, yeah, so when I saw you, I thought you were one, because, you know, maybe, once again, he doesn't say that, but slightly del delirious from breathing in ash. Um, and then he goes like, oh, but also I learned that you're also a brilliant scientist. And he tries to save it, I guess. 
Um, and she's like, Starting oh, yeah. off a little strong there comparing a, a woman you just met to a guardian oh, yeah. angel. He, he's, he's, uh, been, he's being very, I just matched with this lady on Tinder right now. Better tell her everything I think that she wants to hear. Um, tell her my entire life story. Honestly, I, I, I just love this character that is trying to walk the fine line between being a complete himbo and being the super, <laughs> super advanced it's, scientific it's alien. It's so funny. He's like, he's like, he's like, I know, I, I almost said he's like Rocky on Power Rangers, but like Rocky doesn't like, aside from that time in the comic, he was reading a philosophy book by Camus. There's like, there's, there's nothing like what, what, what Nareem does here where he, where he says like, oh, I'm a man of culture and I know science and everything. And then points at the sky and says, what is that? And she says, well, oh, that's yeah, a bird. The bur- <laughs> he specifically says that there were, there's no animal life on Talon. It right. hasn't been for generations. Which, uh-huh. Talon, okay, okay. are we in Metroid now? Yeah, Talon Four. This this Chozo <laughs> there. Uh, and anyways, <laughs> bird. What people. did you guys do? <laughs> what did you eat? What I did mean, you do that you wiped out all your animal oh, yeah, life and your planet that, is dying sk- in volcanic like, ash? They, they skipped the dark ages, but they didn't escape capitalism. They just like had the full gilded age where they destroyed all other life on their planet, and then like that gave them like all that. Elon Musk tech that they have now, which ke- like let the them- robot that falls over, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the Cybertruck that can briefly be a boat, <laughs> briefly emphasis. Uh- <laughs> no, I, I, I want to see the next couple days. De- I want to see the next couple days when they're on, at the after this episode when they're on the Knox planet, uh-huh. and they're like, uh, yeah, they're so, the yeah, are like, the Knox are pointedly a people that live in nature and are in perfect communion with it, and they're gonna be with the Tolans who explicitly are from a planet that has no animals and are a high tech people. I don't know, weird match. The Tolans are gonna be freaking out at every single tiny bug yeah. that they see. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's the it, the docs won't let the docs won't let them see the bugs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're gonna hide them from the Tolans to protect everyone involved, both the bugs and the Tolan. And like when he's like confused and scared by this bird that he sees in the sky, the face that Carter makes is really funny because he's, he's really grinning and thinks it's hilarious. Um, she she says, "Yeah, those are called birds. We have them here." Uh, so yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, so do you have other animals also? Yeah, a lot. And he's like, yeah, we don't have any. Sad. Uh, I guess they eat their food from replicators uh, or are all vegetarians. Pick one. Um, they eat They eat slop from tubes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the Matrix. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> so uh, is there even anything else to this conversation? And he's... Yeah, he he's he's like after he says there's no more animals on Tolan, you can you can see that he's starting to think about what happened to the animals or like that that tells him that that leads him on a train of thought that he's about to tell her, but then he sees the guards that are over there and he decides not to say anything and he says ah we should go back, uh, <clears throat> so they go back. Um, so while that's going on, uh, they were like they finished setting up the UAV down there. Hey, and hey, Walter's here. Uh, Oh, wait, yeah, okay, this is, so, sorry, I've been watching ahead, and in season two, Walter is, like, absent for almost all that season, and I, I got my wires crossed. Of course he's there. Why wouldn't he be there? Um, so he's, uh, yeah, dialing the gate, and they shoot that UAV through it, and it's very cool. Uh, like, I, th- I think, like, O'Neill straight up says, whoa, that's cool, yeah. 
Um, I love how uh, how cheap the rockets look, though. <laughs> Hang they on. look like they look like model rocket engines. Uh-huh. Yeah, let me see. Probably because it's that's like what a they are. Propeller. Oh yeah, I and I'm not even sure. Like these things, I don't know how actual UAVs are launched. If it involves a rocket like this or just a propeller, uh, it's like it's it's a it's a fairly cool looking prop. To be fair. Um, but it probably just uses the rockets to get up to speed for the right. propeller to do its work. Yeah, that that seems that seems likely, especially for like a '90s UAV, uh, which like they would just use drones now for this stuff. But uh, back then, that's what you had. Um, so yeah, uh, they they send it through, and they have the camera pointed at the ground and and the sensors and stuff, and they say, "Yep, so <clears throat> looking like mortar out there. It's really bad. Uh, it's like ash, that, that, that lava." Is some, that is definitely some stock foot some stock footage of that's, a volcano. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's what they stock do. footage from Kilauea. Yep, yeah. exactly like a Hawaiian volcano or or another. Um, and uh, yeah, so they say. Uh, the, the the air is uh, does she say like the temperature is like twelve hundred degrees Fahrenheit? Oh, it's like it's it's it's, it's, it, it, it's a range. She she says fifteen hundred <clears throat> down to two hundred. She says Celsius. Wow, that's that's even hotter. Um, so basically, uh, yeah, you would be cooked alive if you went there. And also, the air is unbreathable because there's a whole bunch of toxic gas in there. And also, there's a lava flow that's headed straight for the Stargate that's going to bury it before we, we can do anything. So, uh, bad scene. Do not send people there is the summary of this scene. Uh, mm-hmm. Now or ever, because, you know, the Stargate is not going to be operable anyway. So they go back to Amok to, te- Amok to tell him this. Uh, and they like, <clears throat> they 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 think like, okay, so yeah, we need to be delicate about this because he's gonna be upset. He's like, oh, that's great actually, because that's what we're trying to do, bury the Stargate actually. Um, so he's like into Omak and Nareem at Tolan. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, and he starts. Oh, sh- he, was, sorry, is his name? Does his name sound like that specifically because of the Star Trek reference? Because I don't know. Because um, he is, because he is kind of the Picard here. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> he's like, he's like a, yeah, he's a meaner version of Picard. He's like season one Picard when he he was always grumpy, but like even taking like two notches grumpier than that. Uh, and he starts to say, "So my team stayed behind to seal the Stargate because," and then he stops talking because he he realizes he's about to to tell them too much. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh yes no sorry he keeps going a little bit he says that they were gonna uh close the gate so that no one could uh, dial there and and like be stuck going to this hell planet now um so uh so sam says yeah you know if you just tell us where you were going we can just gate you there and it's gonna be fine and he's like, no, we can't go there. There's no Stargate there. He says it's outside the gate system, which, considering what we eventually learn about the gate system, seems really unlikely. <laughs> but it's l- just a uh, it's just a planet that that they didn't get one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a planet without a Stargate, basically. Uh, he says we'll need a ship, so please, please lend us your finest uh, inter uh, interstellar spaceship, please, Earth. Um, 
They're like, uh, about that. <laughs> nope. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Uh, they start to say, yeah. We uh, can maybe get you to the moon, but we can't guarantee it. Yeah. It's it's not like even that. We haven't done that in 20 years. So, uh, you know, uh, there's going to be a gag in it, like uh, early season two and when, when where people ask them about Earth ships and they say, ah, well, we have shuttles. So that that's good. Um, <laughs> um so yeah, uh, so they, they were back in the briefing room without Omak, which like for a conversation, which feels like the, he should be in the room for it. Uh, but they say uh, Jack has an idea where he says, you know, uh, we should just like pull out our Rolodex and call our space friends out there and see if any one of them will, will, would be willing to take on the Tolans ex- as guests. Uh, okay, I, I have to, but he has to know how dumb this is. <laughs> Right, uh, they're calling you primitive, and you, you no. <laughs> like you've met like the the only people who were not like the only planets you've been to that had technology higher than uh, Earth's level are either hostile. You destroyed it in the case of the the Asgard planet. It was destroyed by a storm, which was that one planet with the at uh, the torment of Tantalus, or. Uh, you pissed them off enough that they hit the Stargate and they won't let you come back, which is, you know, the Nox, which is what we're going to actually settle on at the end of this episode. <laughs> so, and, and, like, the middle part, when we get get to it shortly, who, who they do contact to try and take them, uh-huh. it's like... It's insane, that's, yeah. yeah. That's the, the most primitive. Right. Uh, the, only, yeah. the only worst one you could have given it is the planet of babies. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> um... Yeah, it, it almost seems like it's a reverse psychology plan where, like, he's thinking, if we show them all of these other people are even worse than us, uh, maybe they'll decide they can stay here after all, and it's going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, now now Hammond is explaining this plan to Omak, and he says, uh, we're going to give you back your tech to show you that we mean you no harm. And he and then Omak is like, yeah, so I bet you had them popped open and couldn't figure out what they were, right? Uh, and like uh, Hyman like tries to be evasive about it, but Daniel pretty much says, "Ah, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Actually, we can't figure it out. So just have them back, I guess." Uh, and like he's hoping have back your mysterious tech that we don't know what it does. Yeah, we'll give it back to you, and like hoping that you'll like us enough to just explain it and and share it with us eventually. Like, you gotta. <laughs> Pinky swear that you'll tell us how this works and what it is. Uh-huh. And he's like, no. <laughs> he doesn't even like, he's not even going to pretend that he, he wants to do that. Um, I think I'll like, well, okay. Like, can, the, can the, we have our stuff back? Yep. Uh, are you going to use it to leave the base? Are you going to use no. it to leave the base? <laughs> no. Uh, Why would we do that? Yeah, and it's like uh, Hammond says, you have to understand that you have to stay on the base. And Hallmark says, so are we prisoners? And Daniel says, no, 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 you're not prisoners. You just, you know, can't leave because for for your safety and also ours. And Hallmark says, yeah, I think it's more for your safety than ours, actually. <laughs> no, he, he doesn't even say that, but he like he 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 he, he stares those words into Daniel. Is the thing. Um, his his stare is so intense. Yep. <laughs> So, uh, like, there's a there's a whole little hangar bay or infirmary that's been converted to uh, a dormitory for the Tolans. I, I do like their table of food because it literally looks like they just went, oh crap, we should probably 
these characters should be being fed. Uh-huh. Uh, wheel the craft services yep. table there's over like, here for a second. There's like a tray of donuts <laughs> and uh, like a fruit basket there. And we see some of them like picking some grapes and stuff. It's pretty great. Um, so, yeah, the, the, in my, it's like, seems like Kama just went to the mess hall and said, grab whatever, whatever. We don't know what the leaves, so just bring everything. Yeah. So I have to check now. Do we see any blue jello on there? Because that's a recurring Stargate uh-huh. gag. Hang on. Let me just scrub through it. Get back to that scene. Okay, fruit. I see water bottles, donuts, uh, glasses. No, oh, wait, those are sandwiches, not donuts. Uh, no blue jello. If it, if it was an episode from later in this episode, there would be blue jello and possibly a pineapple there. Uh, but I think, <laughs> uh, was it Andy Mikita? One, one, one of the Stargate directors uh, likes to stick pineapples into episodes, but I don't think he's on the show yet as of this point. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, Sam goes over to talk to Nareem, who's like setting up his little uh, sleeping area with the little cloth dividers. And he's bent, and he's like, how, "How are you doing?" And Nareem once again shows his, his big himbo brain because he's holding a set of bed sheets, and he's like, "Um, um, don't know what these are." <laughs> bed sheets. Can you do these for me? I don't. I don't understand. I, I don't understand. It's not even. I don't understand how to put a fitted sheet on a mattress. It's I do not understand the concept of blanket. Uh, <laughs> this is a scientist. He says like, oh, our uh, our beds are heated and mold to our body. T- uh-huh. Yep. So <laughs> he says that they all get, they got like extreme. Uh, Foam mattresses over yeah, there. I don't, he, I don't even think he mentions like comfort. So, and he says our sleeping platforms. So, and what I have in my head is just a, a cold, hard plank that just like is warmed up <laughs> and like, okay, so it's warm. So, so that's nice, but doesn't sound very comfortable. It just makes me think of, uh, the Minbari uh, beds on Babylon 5, which are like angled, basically standing up with the slight incline backwards, uh, and humans find impossible to sleep on. <laughs> Seems like a bed is just better than that, actually. But you know, I love it. I love sci-fi when they have the alien people say sleeping platform instead of bed. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a that's a nice little trope, and like with you- a real banger trope. <laughs> Uh, it's a little sad that we don't see them. We just get this description and have to imagine the rest. Um, even still, you think the Tolan at some point in their history went through the stage of bad before they got there. Maybe he would have heard of such a concept. Uh, you know. Yeah, but that was probably a lo- that was probably a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, if I, I don't even know what the comp- comparison would be. If someone showed me a medieval something or other and I wouldn't know what to do with it but it's like I, I would know how to sleep on a medieval bed I'm pretty sure that part I would yeah, get someone shows bed, you a chamber been... pot and you're like what is what this? is yeah what is this where do you flush well no you don't flush you just poop in it how you know <laughs> and then you just dump it out the window it's easy uh-huh. um but yeah beds have been pretty consistent across human history uh, yeah you just you, you need some something to poop and shit into uh, and piss also because I said the same thing twice uh, uh. <laughs> sometimes you really gotta go oh yeah bad. oh yeah we've all had those days right fellas um, <laughs> so uh, 
So she's like, this is quality material. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, she's like, I will explain bed sheets to you, actually. Uh, although she, she has books for him because uh, he, he asked to see like books about earth science. Uh, so she's bringing it's a good thing he can read English. Yeah, I guess. Doesn't understand bed sheets, <laughs> can read the English alphabet, no problem. Um, well, I mean, he can speak it fine, apparently. So, yeah, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, it's like l- last episode, they had their whole thing where they pretended that they, they might have there might be a language barrier, and it was immediately like, Yeah, I, I, we actually all understand each other here. Sorry. Um, so uh, Sam says, oh, I have something else for you. And she has a like cat carrier with a cat in it. And she opens it up because like, I guess she just went over to the pet store and bought Nareem an adult cat or like rescued one or something. I don't know. Because uh, this is not a kitty. This is a big adult cat right there. Um, and she says, his name is Schrodinger. And she loves, so she starts to explain that she's a nerd and that's a joke. Because uh, it's, you know, I think like, this is actually when I saw this episode back in the day is when I first actually learned about Schrodinger's cat. That was the first reference I encountered in my, uh, in my life. So uh, props on this episode for very, uh, you know, surface level explaining the, 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 the concept of quantum mechanics in this scene. Cause she's like, okay. Uh, so the like she, of course, Nareem doesn't understand the reference and she starts to explain Okay, uh, no, wait, it's, it's this one guy, Schrodinger, he had, like, a thought experiment about a cat in a box and, uh, you know, uh, a, a radioactive isotope and, like, closing the box, and you wouldn't know if the cat was dead or alive, and, like, he would, it would be in a, flu- in, in, in a quantum flux state until you opened the box and verified. Uh, yes, you could, you could then use the cat in the box as a flux capacitor. Uh-huh, and that's how you time travel. Um and like when, when she's right. and when she says, so the cat might die because of the of the radioactivity. Like it cuts to Nareem who like stares at Schrodinger and like with a little, just like little sad look on his face, like oh. And she's like, no, no, no don't like, worry about the it. The same joke every the same joke everyone makes when they first hear Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a very cute cat uh, as well. Uh, oh, it's a good. It's a good. It seems cat. very happy to be oh, there. Yeah. This is this is a, a cat who likes this guy. Like, you know, you know how cats and himbos are. Just like someone sent us a question in the Discord about this, it feels like a, a relationship for the ages where they, they deeply uh-huh. understand each other. Um, uh, I see you are also incredibly stupid, like uh-huh. me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and like like Nareem is going to say later on, you know what he really values is emotional intelligence. You know, not theoretical. I, I, I'm going to, <laughs> I, I do have to imagine he gets to the he gets to the Knox planet and he's introducing himself around and it's like, oh, this is my cat. This is my cat, Schrodinger. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he keeps that cat. Oh, I just I just remembered what happens later in the series, and we're gonna have to get back to this. Um, so uh, yeah, so she uh, Carter gets to the point of explaining uh, what a quantum flux state is basically, and he goes, "Oh, okay, I see what you're talking about now." He he calls it equilibrium physics, which is um, what what the total name for quantum mechanics is. 
so they they research like uh, they, they, he goes yeah, yeah I know I know what you're talking about I've studied it uh, like in my I guess history of science class where we talked about all the bullshit from the past we that we've proven wrong and she goes wait what <laughs> proven what are you talking about like quantum <laughs> physics aren't wrong <laughs> and he like <laughs> and like I I just want to point out first of all that uh, we're gonna have. Uh, parallel alternate universes in this series, like, coming up real soon, actually, and I don't see how those could possibly exist if quantum mechanics are wrong. <laughs> but, uh, but there uh, you go. Isn't the there a time the travel one command- coming up very uh-huh. soon? Uh, the Stargate yeah. Command wiki actually specifically brings this yes. up in their I, I, mistakes. I, I did look it up. Go ahead. Uh, it's where it's like, yeah, that's in that Technically, Schrodinger's cat is only one interpretation of quantum mechanics, uh-huh. and it being incorrect doesn't disprove the entire field. Yep. Specifically, that the many worlds interpretation would still be po- would still be possible. <laughs> I don't know enough about quantum quantum physics to to dispute this wiki. I love I love sci-fi nerds who saw this and. Of course, saw the, the the contradiction there and went. Actually, no, no, no. If you look at the at the 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 facts deeper and like are really specific and like uh, pedantic about it, uh, what he says isn't. It's might the, not be wrong. Actually, <laughs> it's the it's the gif of the guy at the at the chalkboard like gesturing yep. wildly. Yeah, yeah, Charlie, Charlie Day at the with the conspiracy board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but it's like the guy who's like at the white the white uh whiteboard mm-hmm. like drawing all these math symbols and gesticulating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and like so when when carter says are you telling me you guys licked quantum physics you should just kind of omak like slide into frame to stare daggers at nareem from behind her shoulder it's pretty funny because he's just right there and he goes like he just like stares murder at him and then looks at the cat a little bit like and wordlessly kind of threatens the cat's life as well as nareem's <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put you in a funky death yeah. trap. Just you wait. You're gonna be. You're gonna wake up in a room. There's gonna be a video with a creepy doll, and you're gonna have to cut your cat open to get the key. You little fucking shit. Um, <laughs> and like uh, Sam gets the vibes here and goes, uh, "I'm gonna leave now." Okay, bye. <laughs> and Rima's like, "I didn't say anything." Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you kind of implied just enough, maybe. <laughs> Consider- I didn't say anything. I just implied that their understanding of science is wrong. Yeah, which is, you know, to be fair, that's what Omak's been doing. He just hasn't been specific about it. Um, but like, we're gonna learn. He's been way more dickish. Yeah, and we're gonna learn that these people have a prime directive, and that's what that's what's at contention here, uh, really. But there you go. Uh, so yeah, uh, Jack and Teal go, go back up to the briefing room and say, "Hey, good news! We have a meeting with." Tuplo tomorrow, and like Tilk says, it turns out all of our friends are real happy to be of service and want to meet these people too. Because like, who wouldn't want to meet cool, meet cool space space people who has who have cool tech? Um, so as they're saying I mean, that, it's got to be very. I actually an additional thing I just thought of on the moment. It's like mm-hmm. you got to be even more careful about where you send them with the other planets you've been to. Right, you- you're going to start a cult. <laughs> Yeah, considering all the people out there treat Earth people as gods, like, imagine that, plus these are people who can walk through walls and teleport to space. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so uh, but this is interrupted because Hammond walks in and says, "Hey, uh, the Tolans are all gone, actually." <laughs> Whoops! Uh, so we whoa, whoa. so we cut to some dogs in the woods at night, uh, looking for these people, following the scent, and they corner the the little party of Tolan people in the woods. And do they even point guns at them? But they're they're, they're just like surrounding them and pointing flashlights at them, I guess. And they go. Yeah, uh, what? Clearly, they don't. You know, they don't understand what happened here. And Omak walks up to them and says, "Hey, thought we weren't prisoners, buddy. We just came up here to look at the stars." And he said, "And Jack says, uh, yeah, okay, but you're gonna have to come back down now. So remember, remember what we talked about.'" And Omak says, "Yeah, so we are prisoners, right? I that's what I thought." And like Jack doesn't even answer that, but obviously they are prisoners. <laughs> It's just you know they're prisoners. I mean, but he's nicely. He's got reason to be pissed off. Uh-huh. But honestly, if he just ex- just stopped and said, "Hey, we were using the stars to calculate how far away we are uh-huh. from where we were trying to go," right? And you know, th- th- they would have just been all like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah they, get, carry on. They, just they, come, they, they we'll come back down in a few minutes." Yeah, they would have had like people escort them up to do that with them because they're trying to help them. But Omak's whole thing he, is he doesn't want to involve the Tari into any of this. He wants just wants to do it himself. So, uh, like we said, it's like it's the Federation, but uh, more more mean and asshole-ish. They're just like teleporting up and like not telling anyone what they're doing because they th- don't want to break the Prime Directive. Uh, I mean, you're saying that like that's not a thing the Federation does all the time. Yeah, they do that all the time. They're just they don't. Di- <laughs> Isn't that what most of the episodes are about? Them breaking the right. No, I, I meant the I meant the teleporting teleporting because they don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yoinks. Yeah, they they wanted to save money on effects. Yep, that's what uh, that that's what uh, originally that's what that's what invented teleportation is. They couldn't have. Uh, models of spaceships landing in every episode on every different planet. Yeah, they didn't have they didn't have CGI models from a blockbuster to recycle. No, right. So we're back in the briefing room, and everyone everyone is wearing their dress uniforms now because it's about to be the meeting with Duplo. Uh, and they say, uh, weirdly enough, all our, all their surveillance footage was wiped of any of any footage that would show them how they got up there. Um, so they're like, okay, can we do anything about it? Uh, and like, Hammond says, yeah, we have people enhancing the video because it's a TV show and they can just do that. Just push the enhance button. Enhance the, yes. enhance the video from nothing? Yeah, un- unwipe this magnetic tape from nothing, please. Uh, we have a- yes. <laughs> like that. That's more it's, egregious it's than just usual. Hit the enhance button. <laughs> Usually, there's at least tape to enhance. <laughs> yeah, no. This is like if they can do that. It, I don't see what, why they're even interested in Tolan tech because clearly they have extremely advanced computers that can just extrapolate everything from the state of the universe. Um, I, I mean, love th- that. these are the same computers that were able to figure out the gate address from <laughs> old, from like 1920s yes, video. Yes, from old film transferred to VHS, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I love that, that uh, plot mechanic. Yeah. Uh, that it's just, it's the only thing better is when is that episode of NCIS where they had two, two people, people on the same yep. keyboard to hack fast one keyboard yep uh, <laughs> uh, it's you know TV people making TV editing look like magic that's like I guess they're just showing off I guess um, 
So yeah, Tuplo and some other people from the the Land of Light are in this planet, which is, if you'll remember, that's the planet that used to have the caveman people that was that the problem was solved by anti-allergy med- medication. Uh, it was also the planet that was like tightly tightly locked, so it had one light side and one dark side. Uh, so yeah, the, these were people from like an ancient Greek kind of planet with the columns and the bulls and everything and they're over here you are starting with the most primitive planet you know yet well i mean the mongols lived in huts so like they were nomads i don't i guess that doesn't really tell you anything about tech development but yeah it's 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 not it's not a good look i imagine carter specifically vetoed sending anyone no no like there's women among the tolan we can't send them there uh (laughs) that's a good point just like cross that off the list right from the start. Um, so their medicine wasn't even that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it turns out it was just it was just heroin. It turns out we have that. Um, so um, <laughs> so yeah, Tuplo does a little, his little pitch to to Olmak and says it's basically like sells him on the the rustic cottage core appeal of the planet and, and says uh, uh, we have like we, we have no these forests longer, we no longer have caveman covid uh-huh. we don't have that anymore we got rid of that thanks to these people they no no longer a problem thanks to their we have animals they gave us lots of doses of clarity uh-huh. yeah we have no allergies on this planet like lots of pollen because we have lots of plants no allergies <laughs> <laughs> Lots of animals for hunting. Fishing's real good. Fishing's good. Yeah, our rivers are blessed with fish and fowl. Uh, so it's it's a real nice time. You should come we, over. And we have we have we have nice statues of bulls. The president apparently liked uh-huh. those. You can come over and and make a bull with us if you'd like. Maybe make a statue. We can commemorate our friendship. Uh, our planet's big. Smoke a bowl, the, maybe. There's a whole night side of the planet we're not even using. If you want to go there, that's fine. And Omak says, I just come. <laughs> Uh, Omak is not into it. <laughs> Predictably, he's like, he's like, he's like, nah, get this shit out of here, fam. Yeah, it's, y- you know, y'all don't, yeah, you don't even have running water or y- like indoor plumbing over there, do you? <laughs> Fuck off! Like you're, you're even more primitive. Uh, if if we don't like it here, we're certainly not gonna like it over there. Um, and he like storms out of the room basically after saying his planet is unacceptable to us, um, and that's the end of that conversation. Goodbye, Tuplo, who won't be seen again after this point. <laughs> that was a weird one-off character. He to was bring such back. an important character. Yeah, they brought him back technically two appearances on this show. Um, Nareem gets more wild. Uh, Omak is not the gonna appear again after this episode unfortunately but we are gonna see the, to- the other tolans again specifically nareem um so uh so the uh, now now nareem is explaining to carter uh why they have a prime directive basically that there was a second planet in their system that also had life on it and they contacted them and they were like okay cool nice let's just uh share all of our tech with them and be best space buddies for eternity and uh and then like uh, as soon as they had this tech the, there was a war on that planet and they basically blew up their own planet like uh, almost I instantly question, i question if you could blow if given a power source you could blow up your planet in a day yeah that's the that's the thing with uh, with uns- through war yeah i like i imagine i i'm, I'm reason i'm going into the assumption here that no this actually had to have been an accident because it's going to take some time to escalate and mobilize (laughs) and 
we- and try and weaponize <laughs> like, that thing. No, no one is going to say it launched the the planet destroying bomb. Like the, that that's not going to be the what? first thing you do in a war, right? It's just you, and also, I you thought know, they it, meant a year at first. It's it's no, Car- Car- yeah in one that would have made sense yeah. But Carter then says a day, and he's like, yeah. So I guess it was a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In one day, they they destroyed their own planet, which which you know the shockwave shifted Toland's planet, uh, Toland's orbit a little bit, which made it unsustainable. Which you know I I get that how. I get the sci-fi logic, the science logic behind this happening, but also we, we've seen Tolan and what happened was a super volcano there. And I don't know how that can be related to the planet's orbit, really. Uh, maybe like the, the shockwave like, like stirred the, the lava or whatever, had some geologic impact or what, or something. I don't know. Something, something, gravity, something, something, seismic plate, yeah. something. Something, something, dark side. Uh-huh. But also, like the the way he's telling that story, it it almost seems like this all just happened. I I don't know, like maybe like the sh- the shockwave that fucked up Tolan like happened uh, centuries ago, and they just had all this time to prepare to evacuate the planet, and we're still kind of last minute about it. But it, I don't know. You, you would think if if that if there was still if they still had people there as the planet became inhabitable, uh, that they would they were taken uh, they were short on time to do this. Uh, it, it so it's basically the the, the whole Tolan Prime Directive could have just they they might have just come up with it like recently. <laughs> it turns out this is this might be the first application of it. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, so that's that's what we learned about this basically. Uh, it's so Carter now says so when you were outside the other night what were what were you doing and Nareem says oh he was telling the truth we were looking at the stars but like uh, we were calibrating where we are in space by looking at them so we can figure out if we can get a ship to come over here and catch us and uh, uh, so and uh, they, they figured out that they're super far away and like even with their ships it would take a lifetime to get to earth which <laughs> which it's weird yeah. this implies that do they not have faster than light yeah are, are their ships just that much slower than every other powers and like like the get are going to be getting here at the end of the season and, and we know we've talked about this and we know <laughs> that their home their new home world is in the milky way galaxy because we're going to see it in future episodes and they're going to stargate to it so that it's it's not like they can be in a whole different galaxy or anything they so like are you saying the ghouls have more advanced ships than the Tolans do? It does that doesn't seem likely considering the Tolans don't even like consider the gold worth talking about. It's it's just <laughs> I mean maybe this is like maybe they've just been like complete isolationists since the yeah. since their thing in their system yeah. and they just so they haven't bothered to do do that, but yeah, there's just space. Honestly, if you're relocating your entire civilization to another planet, you'd think that would be a priority. Yeah, you would think that. They're they're just like basically Wakanda uh, just high tech isolationist. Um, so yeah, uh, they keep talking a little bit. Yeah, uh, so Nareem put, put puts on the, the 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 charm once again and says, "Oh, I don't mind too much. Like that, uh, I I could stay here on this planet so that I can spend more time with someone who lives here." And he just stares at her, and it's and she like kind of blushes and looks away. Uh, but he says, "Oh, I'm talking about the cat, of course. I'm talking about Schrodinger." Uh-huh, and they have a big old laugh about it. Um, 
throw her back to talking to Omak, who says, yeah, so we escaped to test what, how you would react, and you did exactly what we thought, which is you came up with guns and forced us to come back down, which told us everything we need to know about you. And, like, uh, O'Neill replies, well, yeah, but to be fair, you just slipped out from us and, like, are not being co- cooperative or anything. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I guess there's blame from both sides uh, in this situation. Um, also, yeah, there's... there's uh, basically, the tensions are running high at this point, and uh, you have O'Neill representing the humans and Om- Omak representing the Tolans who decide that they they just don't want very much to do with each other again. Um, and like O'Neill says, so how about you just let all of you decide by themselves what they want to do? And like uh, Carter specifically turns to Nareem and says, you know, this is a free country over here. If if you want to individually ask for asylum, you can stay here and Omak can't do anything about it. Um, Omak doesn't take that kindly. Um he seems rather angry about this. Yeah, he's like, you don't, you don't give a shit about his rights. You're just hoping he'll stay here so that he can tell you about about our tech because that's all you care about. Uh, which is also a good point because that's like, you know, that's the main reason why they've had the nice version of being prisoners there <laughs> is that because uh, the U.S. military wants to get their hands on that tech, and we're about to see uh, they really want it. Uh, to the point of escalating this whole situation to get their hands on it. Uh, and Oma- You can always count on the U.S. military escalating things. Yep, that's what, that's what they do. Uh, and, and Omak says, you know... Speaking of which, the next scene... Yeah. Uh, Omak says, yeah, you can't hold us here. We can just slip out whenever we want and you can't do anything about it, so fuck off. Um, so, like, there's a, a lady... I think it's one of the ladies from Hathor... Uh, is right there, and she she talks to O'Neill and says, "General Hammonds wants to see you." And they all go off to talk to him. Um, and we stay a little bit. Do they talk? It just takes a while to cut. Okay, they don't say anything. Um, so we're back in the 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 control room, and Walter has done his CSI thing to enhance the footage from them escaping, and he's like, "Oh, thank goodness." Yep. Check this out. We now have very clear footage of these people just phasing through the wall after they do a little beep-beep-beep on their wrist device thing. Makes the wall go all wibbly. Yep, yep, yep. I, do, I do like that effect. That, that That's neat. It's not just them doing something. They're actually doing something with space. Yep. Basically doing a, a flash, you know, vibrating off phase from the matter of the wall to slip between the atoms. Um so uh so they 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 say something like so these people have extremely advanced technology it's way better than what the ghoul do i think that's teal that says that and then like fucking like kramer gen- uh, not general sorry colonel harry mayborn <laughs> walks in from behind them he was a friend what a dickhead. He was, yeah he was apparently hiding in a locker, just waiting for someone to say technology of higher level than the gold to just pop out and say, "Oh, me want, me want this. Uh, gimme, gimme, gimme. I want this." Um, and he introduces himself, and he says, uh, "They ask what happened to Colonel Kennedy, and they and Mayborn says he got promoted, uh, so I'm the new Kennedy now, which is you know, 
we're not going to see Kennedy again. Mayborn is going to be our uh, resident Pentagon stooge for the rest. Uh, NID stooge, actually, because this might be the first time the NID gets mentioned by name in this episode, which is the the space CIA we've alluded to before. Uh, it's just the, that fictional agency that they're going to use to do all their human bad guy stuff that they need to do on this show. And Mayborn works there, and he's like, yeah, so uh, he, he's... he's Basically in charge of it, I guess. He's he's the head of it. Um, <clears throat> uh, although the NID is a civilian organization, he's just the liaison to the Pentagon, technically. Um, so yeah, they have a little scene in the briefing room where uh, where Mayborn hands uh, the general orders in a file that says uh, they're orders ordering you to release the Tolans into our uh, custody. Uh, and like everyone has real ethical problems about this, and they're like, "No, wait, what? Fuck off! No, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, they, these are people, and you're just gonna take them into your lab and like experiment on them and like torture them and they, until they give you the their technology and their like." Uh, and like Mayborn's like, "Yeah, no, no, what are you talking about? Like these these are people from a different planet. They don't have any, uh, you know, uh, human rights because." Because of a technicality in like constitutions and Geneva, it's uncomfortable how often that comes. Yeah, up. right. It's like whenever you need it to. It's like, well, our laws don't mention anything about people born on different planets. So neener neener. Uh, it's like it's it's very urban. Uh, uh-huh. They don't have right. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, very like you know armchair uh, lawyering their way into like treating people like slaves or cattle or whatever or test subjects. Um, and then Hammond says, "I can't, I can't release them to you, actually." And Mayor's like, "What are you talking about?" And Hammond says, "Well, they, we have to quarantine these people. There's a whole procedure because they came from a different planet, and we have, to, they have to complete this process before they can do anything else." And like Mayborn is obviously calling his bluff, and he says, do, "Oh, do you want, do you want to spread the cave fan disease? Because <laughs> spread the cave fan disease, right? Uh, we don't know, we don't know if if their volcanoes weren't like nanobots or whatever. That 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 might be a thing. So we need to do that. And you know, Mayborn calls his bluff, and he says, "Ah, you're just bullshitting. Um, this is not a thing." <clears throat> um. And Mayborn says, yeah, I have the president backing me on this. And Hammond says, so do I. And, like, he gets up and starts to, uh, to, to, like, shake his authority at him. And says, uh, he, he tells Mayborn that they have guest quarters and he could just go there and make himself comfortable. And Mayborn says, ah, no, it's fine, I'll wait here. And Hammond does, like, a cool move where he just walks up to him that he, he says, That wasn't an invitation, it was an order, Colonel. As he says, Colonel, he just like stares down at this at the the insignia on Mayborn's uniform. Uniform, it's really good. Um, and Mayborn finally takes the hint and leaves the he leaves the room. Mayborn is such a slimy asshole. I love him. Oh, he's so good. This. Oh, he is such a good bad yeah. guy. They do such a good job as just establishing him immediately as the worst. Yeah, he's like the most punchable guy, and it's like it's like just open hostilities against him from second one, and it's never gonna let up. Every time he shows up, it's just gonna be like SG one telling him to fuck off openly all the time. It's great. Uh, <clears throat> 
So after he leaves the room, uh, O'Neill asks, hey, so didn't we actually have them go through a medical checkup? And Dr. Fraser said they were fine. Uh, and Hammond says, yeah, well, yeah, but they don't know that. Uh, but that also, that bluff isn't going to buy them much, <clears throat> much time, so they need to find a, an alternative uh, so that these people don't go with Mayborn. Uh, so uh, now they have a ticking clock because we have bad guys trying to get these people. It's not good. Yeah, it's not. Um, so yeah, uh, Carter has gone back down to Nareem and is, and is trying to explain the situation to him. And Nareem is like, oh, Omako's right. You, you people are bad and you're going to use our tech for war and you're going to blow yourself up. Just like this other planet. And Carnus tries to say, ah, it's not us, it's this other guy. He's from a different branch of our government, and he's he's an asshole, and we don't like him, and we don't want him to get to get his way. And uh, and she says, Yeah, I'm here because I you know, you have to convince Omak to to go to a different planet, or you're gonna end up like in a Pentagon cell and it's gonna be bad. Or an, an ID cell. Uh and like, yeah, Nareem says, well, but all those planets are primitive. And like, Carter finally uh, takes the, puts her foot down and says, hey, fuck off, stop, stop calling us that. Uh, it's not nice. Um, and then he tries to spin it after that. And he says, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, you're not primitive. But it's just like you have this emotional intelligence. And what your brain doesn't know, your heart fills in, which is really, really something from a guy who doesn't know what bedsheets are to be <laughs> telling the astrophysicist uh, <laughs> what your what your stupid brain doesn't understand uh, you 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 just love to make up for it and it's like uh, this is this is a really cringy line because she she responds to it by saying I, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying but it is beautiful and he says that's exactly what I what it means ha 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 please 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 edit that line out it's bad. Um, uh. So yeah, they they do some more flirting, and we cut back to uh, to up on the briefing room. Uh, we're I guess Mayborn has come back, and he, he's now gone on full. Uh, we're gonna do this uh, mode, and Hammond walks in and says he just talked to the president, um, and he he told us that everything Mayborn has said is true, and he's backing up us, uh, backing him, and uh, that we should release the Tolans to him. Uh, and like everyone is real upset about this, except Mayborn, who's uh, giddy. Um, is this the point where Daniel's? Hang on. Uh, yeah, yeah okay, that, 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 that's the point. Says. Okay, so for, for, first of all, uh, Mayborn says, "Hey, don't worry about them. They have great views and the best food over there." Which, wow, the, I guess the Pentagon cafeteria is 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 really something. Mayborn must love I mean, it. He says that they're going to a secure facility on the Rocky Mountains, oh, yeah. and I'm like, oh, it's not, it's not, you have you have another secure facility on the Rocky Mountains? <laughs> sounds a lot like an internment camp. Yeah, great food there, though. Like the mashed potatoes, mwah, chef kiss to die for. Um, yeah, so this is this is where Daniel says, decides he's mad at the president. He says, "Yeah, I get all those other Pentagon stooges, but the president, I voted for him." <laughs> <laughs> Just, that welcome line to is the wonderful. real world, man. Yeah, 
Clinton, he's going to disappoint you when the cards are down. Uh, also, like, I just want to state for the record that Daniel was on Abydos during the fall of 1996, so he can't have voted at the most recent presidential election, but presumably he did vote for Clinton in 1992 when he was first elected. So there you go. That's, that's, that's your uh, little presidential fact check of the day right there. Um, he just had a re- he he did send in a mail invalid. It just hasn't got there yet. <laughs> yeah, the, the the interstellar mail is pretty slow. It turns out. Um, so uh, now SG One is is meeting with General Hammond up on the surface uh, in that area we've seen earlier in this episode because they're having a little covert meeting up there, <clears throat> away from prying ears, I guess. Uh, where where they say, you know, if we do anything, we could be court-martialed. And that's where they point out that Daniel is a civilian and can't be court-martialed. And technically, he's not bound to obey any military orders. So there you go. That's the the loophole they're going to use to wiggle out of this one. Um, (laughs) So they send Daniel alone down to talk to the Tolans and explain everything that's going on to Omak. Uh, And he's once again trying to uh, to establish that they're not happy with what May- Mayborn is doing, and he's, uh, you know, uh, don't go with 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 him. We're on your side here. We want you to get away from him. So please help us help you. I guess because uh, like Daniel is just, uh, I guess Daniel's gambit is he has uh, is that the Tolans are advanced enough that they can contact their ships. Uh, no, wait, that. Daniel guesses ha- has already decided that they're going to contact the Knox, and his his gambit is that the Tolans have a way to send a message faster than light from the surface of Earth that is going to reach the Knox and, and let them dial the Stargate over to Earth to get the the Tolans back with them. That's a, that's a that's a really big bet. That's a lot of assumptions. yeah, a lot of assumptions that Daniel is making there. But I guess it turns out he's right about everything because you know uh, it has to fit in a in a in an hour of TV with commercials. So that's what they go with. I mean, it's what it's basically what Daniel does at this point. <clears throat> yeah, he makes assumptions, and those assumptions are usually yeah, right. Convenient, aggravatingly. Yep, it's really convenient. Uh, and Omak, yeah, at first he's like, no, this is some kind of trick to, to get us to give you our technology. And like, Daniel's like, no, no, no. Uh, he, like, he, he puts his cards on the table and says, okay, we met the Knox, and uh, that, that's the people we're trying to get you into contact with, but there's a problem that they buried their Stargate when we were there, and we can't dial their planet anymore. Uh, so we need your help to contact them, and maybe you have some kind of thing that can do that? Um, so that's what finally sells Omak on this plan. Because, uh, like, uh, apparently what Omak needs is a set of Stargate coordinates, and uh, that's all he needs, and he can do this, it turns out. Uh, and, and Omak says, uh, they have to get to the surface again. And uh, Daniel says, no, I can't do that. And Omak says, yeah, that's not a problem. <laughs> Remember, uh, we can walk through walls and everything. Uh, Daniel does like decide that he has to go up there with him. He can't just let him go alone to do this. To at least check on him, I guess. And Omak finally decides to trust this guy a little bit. And says, okay. I am surprised he did. <laughs> he could have just like, okay, step 
Give, give me the coordinates and uh-huh. step out. And okay, I'm yep, back. Yep, yep. But he decides to like stop being an asshole for just one second there, and like he hands his hand over to Daniel and says, "Hold my hand." And uh, oh, Daniel my. doesn't understand at first. Very forward yep. of him. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like he, he's posing like with his hand out, like he's inviting him to a dance. It's kind of a, it's <laughs> a little bit funny. Uh, yeah, but Daniel takes his hand, and obviously, because that's how uh, he, he he spreads the the walk through wall beam or whatever th- uh, over to a different person, uh, and then like okay, so <laughs> Omak presses a thing on his wrist, and we get a close up of it. It's it's you know a, a little device with fake little buttons with alien writing on them that we can't read, but it's just funny because it looks a lot like a device we're gonna see in the next scene that does something completely different. So and it looks uh, very that's, cheap. Yeah, it looks cheap. I, I mean, it's just a, you look at their outfits; they have like four of these identical yeah, things on their costumes. Right? So maybe they, you know. There's one of them is the walkthrough walls thing. Then there's the emotion recorder that they have on their other arms, which gives them just enough room for two other essential gadgets that they absolutely can't leave home without. Uh, good thing they've packed their emotion recorders. <laughs> or or Nareem gave them the, gave the gave Sam one of the, these do anything devices, yeah. and it's just confident she won't be able to figure it so out. So that, that's the other thing is. Uh, this this might be the Tolan equivalent of a smartphone where they just have whatever they need downloaded onto them as an app, and the Reem is a big softy, so he made sure to pack his thing to record his emotions what onto a his. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> he really like he really oh, likes I love him so he much. really likes when you fill in your brain stuff with heart or whatever you know that's 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 what he looks for in a woman. Um, so yeah, uh, now Omak and Daniel are on the surface of, of Earth, uh, and uh, Omak takes takes this thing off of his uh, his armband thing and puts it down on the ground, pushes a button on it, and then okay, so this thing no, this thing is different. It has a big bulb on top of it, and it sh- it lights up and shoots a beam into the sky. So I guess that's the that's the third of four gadgets that they have that we know what it does. It's the the interstellar communicator laser beam thing. <laughs> So that se- that does seem sp- seem pretty important uh, as a device. Uh, so like it shoots off like a a, a a light into the sky, and Daniel says, "Okay, uh, so wait, is if if this is going at light speed, isn't that going to take millennia to get to wherever it's going? Um, that's just a laser." I love Omas looks at him light. like he's stupid. Yeah. But for now, for for once, Omak is like, okay, hang on, I'm just, I'm not just gonna leave you hanging. I'm, I'm gonna explain this. And he picks up a tree branch and he explain. He takes like, so he points at the two ends of the branch and says, so look at the this is this is between this. It's really far away. But then I bend the branch and now they're right next to each other. And then Daniel picks up on what he's saying and says, okay, wait, hang on. I've 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 seen some Star Trek episodes or sci-fi about this. Uh, no, he does. He name drops Einstein about this, and he says, "You're talking about folding space, right? That's that's the theory and here." Like, and Omak says, no. "No, that's not what I'm talking like, about." No, no, that Dan- Daniel, you you know that can't be that because that's how Stargates work. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, this has got to be something different because that didn't make a yeah. It's a laser. It didn't, it didn't make a whoosh. Um, but also, like, if that's not what if if that's not what Omak is talking about, that's a bad analogy he used to explain it. Because the thing he described is exactly yes. that. 
That's literally <laughs> what the Stargate is. If if you're saying the branch represents space and like your explanation involves bending it or folding it, well, that's you're talking about folding space, right? That's what you're trying to explain to him. <laughs> if that's not, I mean, this is mostly just an excuse for him to call Daniel stupid. Yeah, again. it's just <laughs> to like make the Tolan seem more high tech and mysterious that they have like science we can't even imagine, but. Whatever it's it's so frustrating. It's 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 really <laughs> something to, to see. Like I, I get like I I almost prefer to imagine that Olmak is just bullshitting him at this point. He's he's just like oh whatever. I'm just gonna fuck with this primitive guy by and, and say gonna, bullshit to I'm him. I'm gonna, gonna have gonna a laugh to myself at this guy's expense. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> gonna make him look like so, an absolute jackass. Yep. So that's what uh, happens, and now we get uh, a little last scene between. Nareem and, and uh, Samantha because uh, he calls out her name and she turns around and doesn't see him but he just whoops whoop, walks out of the wall and looks at her and like uh, <laughs> there's a little funny bit there where, he, where she says how did you do that and he says very carefully <laughs> uh, nice joke nice joke good joke Nareem one, com- one comedy point for the himbo um uh, they just have a, a, a little chat, and, and they, he says, well, if, if, if that plan works and I leave, we're not going to see each other again. And she's like, ah, come on. A guy like you, you'll meet some Knox lady before you know it. Um, and he says, no, you need to understand what I'm saying here. And he takes this other device from his wrist, which is what I mentioned before, the emotional recorder that looks a, a lot like uh, the, the, the walk-through walls device that, uh, that Omak was, was using earlier. Um, and he explains that this is a thing that has basically a record button and it records whatever you're feeling emotionally and then you can play it back if you touch the red triangle on it, uh, which is what uh, Sam does. And, and, like, and then she closes her eyes and she feels everything that he's felt when, she, when he was thinking about her, which, you know, uh, first of all, obvious jokes aside, where uh, there's a bit where like, she's smiling a little bit and then like, she's, she gets a more serious look on her face and you can just imagine the gross shit that he's put in there. <laughs> um, but also, like, that's, that seems manipulative that it's, this device exists. Uh, that you can just... <laughs> He sent her the emotional equivalent of a dick pic. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I, I, I took a snapshot of my love and making uh, I'm making you feel that love, but that that really. Uh, I mean, it's not making her. He, he does have to push the button on her right? own, right? So she knows right? what she's. But it. She has an idea of what she's getting into. But it, but it, yeah. it raises some questions about free will that she decides to kiss him after feeling his love for her through that device which is not a thing she nece- necessarily felt before you know you know what i'm saying it it, fe- it feels like ethically dubious that this thing even exists uh <laughs> I mean, she's been very clearly into him for the whole yeah, so episode, too. Th- there's so that. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, also, this isn't like the Black Mirror episode where they examine the fucked up shit about this thing. It's just like a plot device that they use on this episode to make him look high-tech I love, and close out their... I love yeah. Black Mirror because it's like, what if a thing was a little fucked up? <laughs> yeah, what if, what if smartphones, but fucked up more 
and, and more racist. This, there's a lot of episodes about how racist people would be with that stuff. Um, so yeah, they, they have a little like bullshit sci-fi talk when Nareem is like, we have a custom on our planet that we do when we want to like mack on someone's <laughs> face, which is, which is to kiss. And like, I, I just wanted to say, this is like, they, they kiss on camera. They're like, they, they have a real kiss, these two actors. And I, and the only reason I'm mentioning this is that they don't do that in TV shows anymore now. It's like everything has been become really sanitized, like to be family friendly and stuff. And it like, it's, it's it's I don't know something about like mainstream movies and TV has become really sexless lately to the point where what what like this was fairly normal when we when it aired on TV to just to show two people kissing on TV and it seems like really intimate now because I can't think of the last time I saw a TV show where people like had a slow kiss on camera like this and it didn't cut to anything else while it was happening. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not bad. It's nice. It's just it's just. I don't know. It 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 seems like things have changed a lot in uh, the TV landscape over the last twenty four years. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, and as they're kissing, sorry, I can't relate because the last show I watched was an extremely violent and sexually charged anime. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I. I That's just an entirely yeah, different. Yeah. I'm talking about. Field, I, I'm talking about mainstream live action TV, like family programming, even like because of course, like people fuck on Game of Thrones and stuff like that. But y- oh, you know, boy, if, if you think, yeah, like th- try to think the last time you saw like two people kiss on camera on a like a Disney Plus Marvel show. I don't think that's even happened once. Like they, they like. I think like She-Hulk almost kissed a guy, but it cut or was interrupted by Wang, by Wong like opening a portal behind them or stuff like that. I, like there's like it, it's implied she had sex with a guy, but it cut away. Like of course, speaking of interrupted kisses, show, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of that, Daniel just runs in and, and basically starts uh, speaking. Daniel is at he goes like what at, uh, Sam. And then he sees that he just interrupted the kiss, and he goes, "Whoops!" In a really funny <laughs> delivery. <laughs> I, I I love this bit because like Daniel clearly realizes that he just cockblocked them, and it's really funny. Um, uh, and he says, "Yeah, uh, I need your help," uh, pointing to Carter. Um, so like they, so they have to say goodbye to each other now, um, and uh, yeah. Uh, that's it for this side plot of this episode. Uh, she she says, "Don't forget about Schrodinger." So uh, I think I, I do believe Schrodinger is actually going to show back up later. Like when we see Nareem again, he's still going to have that cat. So it's nice that they kept that up at least. Um, <clears throat> so now we have we cut over to Mayborn talking to Hammond and in trying to like sort out the logistics of the prisoner transport, basically saying, oh, we're going to need, like, armed escorts and trucks and chains and whatever else. Make it it as as, uh, unpleasant as possible for these people, I guess. Uh, And this lady from earlier, like, walks in and says, hey, the Tolans have disappeared. Uh, And Mayborn is really angry. Yeah. So Mayborn says, what do you mean disappeared? And she says, like, poof, sir, they went through the walls. Um... So, yeah, you know, we already knew the Tones could do that, so this shouldn't even be a surprise for anyone, but there you go. Um, and then she goes on to go, like, all, he's all like, well, why weren't there guards in the room to stop, uh-huh. stop them from doing that? She's like, 
Well, there were. I was in there, and they walked through me, and it's like, <laughs> I really think you should have led with that part. Uh-huh. Um, so they go over to the gate room, because like, the, the stargate is activating, and the blast door is down, so they can't see what's going on, and the iris is open. Um, so uh, they, they're all there, and then they open the blast doors, and we see that uh, the Tolans and Daniel are in the gate room, um, uh, and Mayborn is really angry, and he's like, "Hey, what are they doing there? Get him out of there!" And like uh, Mayborn goes over on the PA and and says to Daniel that what he's doing is court martialable, and <laughs> Daniel just like kind of gestures with his ear towards the glass, like he like he can't hear what he's saying, <laughs> and like. Then Jack points out to him, hey, he's not in the military, so that he you can't court-martial him. Uh, <laughs> and he says, I think you'd be it would be hard to find a civilian law to cover this, which I'm not so sure about. <laughs> I feel like if the... Uh, no, no, that's just treason. Yeah, right? That, that, that's the general, anytime a civilian does something, the military doesn't like crime. Right, yeah, that, that, that seems like it wouldn't be that hard. Like, a better <laughs> argument would be, you know, you want to drag Daniel out in court and make all of the Stargate shit public or right ahead. That might be a better, you know... Uh, dissuasive argument. Uh, yeah. And so Mayborn, cha- Mayborn changes tactics and says, I'll have you removed from the program if you do this. And Daniel doesn't care. So uh, so the Stargate opens and uh, <clears throat> and then out walks uh, Laia, who is our Knox lady friend from the, the Knox episode. Uh, In serious and need the, of the, a hairbrushing. Oh yeah. Uh, the, the Knox <laughs> that's, that's, with that's just what Knox do. Yep, their their hair are just bushy tree stuff, um, <coughs> and uh, so yeah, she's just, just says hello to Daniel, and they smile at each other, and uh, they greet each other. Uh, so Mayborn gets back on the PA, and he he orders every guard in there to go to the gate room and and uh, f- and stop them from leaving. So you see all the guards there just pointing their guns at the Tolans and uh, Laia, which, you know, once again, y- you would have to wonder why all the guards who work at the SGC are following Mayborn's orders there. But I guess, I don't know how the military chain of command works. Like Maybe if, if he's a colonel, they're bound to obey whatever he says anyway. Um, but Laia's like, hmm... Yeah, I, I can I can see you, you still have some problems here as as like a species, as a culture, that you're still pointing guns around and stuff, which, you know, remember, we Nox don't like that. Um, <clears throat> but like does says, like, at least Daniel's good. She's like, yeah, like, all your people are, are still kind of fucked up, but you personally, Daniel, you're okay. Um, you, you did the right thing, and uh, she... she, she, she she talks to Omak and says the the Tolans are welcome to to, to come over here, um, which you know I I don't know how how long that relationship is gonna last. Like we mentioned, it seems like they really don't have compatible temperaments. Where the Tolans are not necessarily pacifists. They're they're they like high tech stuff, and they you know they will defend themselves from attacks and stuff. They they're they're not just gonna cloak themselves. Um, but I guess I, th- I think the ex- the extension is that it's probably the Nox probably have a way to get them yeah, to that, their home th- world. Because th- that's the thing because that that's where Nareem's going to be next. Right? Time we yeah, see the them. next time we see the Tolans, they're going to be on the on the new planet, and there's going to be actually there will there will be mention of the Nox on that episode. 
but uh, not 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 in those terms. Um, so yeah, I guess this is just a stopover for them to to help them get home. Uh, and like as Omak is about to step to the Stargate, he turns to Daniel and says, ah, "Actually, you're not too, you're not so bad. You helped us. Thank you. Maybe uh, I'm I'm sorry for being such a meanie poop face to you." Um, and Nareem, Nareem turns around one last time to look at at Samantha with while holding Schrodinger. Uh, and then like Mayborn is uh, apoplectic and he yells in the into the mic to, to stop these people and uh, he he tells he he warns everyone that if if anyone takes one more step towards the Stargate he's gonna order all the guards to shoot them, um, which is not very nice. It's uh, really mean, honestly. That yeah, that's Mayborn for you. And Laia really doesn't like this, so she closes her eyes and just waves her arms. And by doing so, apparently instantly dials the Stargate through her magic psychic powers or whatever, because it just... Instantly dials the si- Stargate with no kawoosh. Yeah, no kawoosh. She just, she just has that. She, she, she can just do that, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, and then, like, she... she, she, she uh, Instantly, like she vanishes, all the Tolans off of the ramp. Uh, to to which means it's a good thing there's no Kawush because she's yeah, she's, she's standing, standing right, right in, in right in front of it. Uh, and then, like after Mayborn sees that all the Tolans have vanished, he yells "fire, fire!" into the mic. And then, like Laya just makes all the guns also vanish from this room. So there you Hilarious. go, no more problem. And she, she just walk, backs off into the Stargate and leaves, and that's the end of it. <laughs> I, I like how it's just an established Nox thing to just make guns disappear. Yep, just, like, just very specifically, yeah, yep, guns fuck disappear. Fuck all weapons. Like, uh, we don't like him, and we're gonna just make him go away if you insist on having them. Um, <laughs> uh, and that's it. Like, the, the Stargate closes, and that's, that's, that's it. That's all she said. That's all she wrote about the Tolans and the Nox for this episode and this season. Um... So Mayborn is obviously very disappointed, and he just walks off, uh, look slinks forward. back off into his hole. Uh, until next time, we need a human bad guy to uh, to threaten people we care about. I remember he be... was always really fun, and I can't wait for his next appearance. Yep, he next appears, uh, I think, in the first half of season two, uh, where he's gonna try to to do shit with Teal'c, and we'll see how that goes. Um, <clears throat> so uh, they they go down there to to talk to Daniel, uh, and they're like, "So uh, we're going to be in trouble now, right? Because Mayborn is going to bo- go back to the Pentagon to Washington, and he's going to stir shit up, and he's going to get us into trouble, which uh, we'll see in a few episodes." Yep, <laughs> uh, uh, that's, that's not an empty threat right there. That's that is going to happen. Um, uh, and Daniel is just like kind of smiling, staring at the Stargate, and he's saying, "I'm just remembering the the la, the a thing that the Knox told us when we were there." And O'Neill quotes, "The very the very young do not always do as they are told," and they're just having a a, a little chuckle at this. As, I think my favorite line is uh, O'Neill's like, "I love those guys." <laughs> yeah, which you know he didn't love them back last time we saw them. He's just like they—he's grown fond of them in the meantime, I guess. Um, now that they're explicitly helping them, okay. uh, so yeah, that's it for the episode. That was Enigma. Pretty uh, good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I like like 
it's it it has a lot of stuff in it. It's it's ex- it's establishing a whole bunch of stuff. It likes back into the Knox stuff. It establishes the Tolans, first appearance of Mayborn. Uh, great great little episode right there. Uh, a great little like it's a, a great little exercise in the writers having a little fun by uh, writing like a, an anti Star Trek episode. Not not uh-huh. not as in Star Trek Reverse sucks, but like Star the opposite. Trek. Yeah, reverse Star Trek, the opposite of a Star Trek episode, and just like kind of making a statement that they're not Star Trek and they 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 they're just and honestly, and tying like just tying like a lot of just little references to what they've done before yeah. and with their future stuff. Like they didn't need to bring back the Dulo and the World of Light. Uh-huh. No, I know, right? It's just that that feels like some some writer's like pet thing that he like the going. I throw it in there just, just oh, like as those, a treat. I love those that wacky cave. <laughs> Either that or they're just like, uh, who who from our previous episodes is available uh-huh. to come come on set for five who, minutes? Who did we leave on good enough terms? And like it could it could have been like the guy from last episode that tried to put Teal on trial. They ended the episode on good terms with him, but he was just there. Then that, that might have been like too short uh, to have them to have him show back up again. Because uh, like, yeah, it could have been the uh, the you know the the Viking people on on Thor's planet. You you, you would have thought like they might have mentioned worst the Asgard. Case they could have they. C- Worst case, they could have got someone from the Mongol oh, no. planet again. Well, we shall as never we, discuss uh, that planet again. Yeah, as we said, they, uh, Carter was not into they that. Could brought, they, 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 they could have brought. They could have had Shang Tsung <laughs> show up. <laughs> Go, your people are puny. Uh, I don't understand your weird wall thing. So, or your emotion recorders. That seems like uh, the stuff of weaklings. Be gone with you. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, that's it. Next episode is Solitudes, uh, another great lore episode that establishes stuff for later uh, that has a nice twist to it. So I hope you'll join us there, any listeners that haven't watched it yet. Uh, we have a couple questions in this episode. Uh, if you want to uh, send us questions, you can check out our Twitter at, at JaffaTakes, where I'll put a tweet on the morning of the day where we record, and you can just just uh, reply to that tweet to have your question read on on air um <clears throat> you can also join our discord channel uh, on the audio entropy discord uh if if you uh, uh if I, i'll put a link in the episode description you just c- can just click that find the jaffa taste channel uh i'll try to start uh putting prompts for questions on there also and you can just be on there and chat about stargate the rest of the time if you feel like it uh, you can also send us emails at jeffatakespodcast at gmail.com if you wish um so we have our first question by aurora vampirus uh, nice who asks us what's a cool bird i don't know what uh, does anyone have a favorite bird i i, I, I like the, i guess uh, ostriches I like the Potu. It has extreme weird gremlin energy. Mm, nice. Potu. Potu with two O's. P-O-T-O-O. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, oh, wow. That face. Okay. That's, that, those are some eyes that, that's, that are on that bird. Oh, that was so weird. They look really weird. I love them. You're right. That's a great bird. Their mouths are enormous. Oh, when they open their mouths, that's so weird. Oh, yeah. Oh, that 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 photo! It like his mouth is full of bugs. 
That's great. Um, <laughs> L- listeners, I know you've heard this a million times and you've never bothered to actually Google anything someone <laughs> on the podcast does and they look at it. You need to see yeah. this bird. Potu, P-O-T-O-O. I've, I'd never heard of them until now and I'm glad I've looked it up. Um, yeah, South so America. Nice. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I, I like... I like emus. Yeah, emus are great. They're 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 fun. They're funny little looking yeah, things. Yeah, I like uh, cassowaries. Uh, I know like the, these birds. I these birds are mean. Like you, you don't want to upset a wild cassowary, but they'll, they look they'll, really cool. They'll uh, slit your guts open. Yep, they have real sharp uh, talons. They're basically like the, the the modern day version of velociraptors. So be careful if you see. I think I think they live yeah. in South America, no Pacific Islands. I think like around the Australia and stuff like that. Um, yeah, usually in, mostly in New Guinea. New Guinea. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, and on on the opposite end, I have a very strong opinion on what the least cool bird is, and it's a chicken. <laughs> They're least cute, cool, though. but they are most tasty. They aren't dained. They aren't da- they aren't particularly dangerous for cool in that mm-hmm. way, and they're just real kind of mean jerks. Yeah. Otherwise, so yeah. Oh, my other you the know, other cool bird is uh, it's a good thing we yeah. eat them. <laughs> a black cockatoo. A black yeah, cockatoos are great. Uh, I have a friend who Red-tailed has a black like, cockatoo. I I have a friend who has like a big cage who has like three or four, uh, like parrots uh like small parrots in there um uh, it's a it's very loud with bird at, at her place when i go there but uh she likes them a lot uh that's that's been your that's that's been your bird update for this episode everyone bird up. um <laughs> not gonna steal all facts from T- twa that's Ding. that's a different podcast's um <laughs> segment i mean we, no, we didn't say any yet no so no, yeah um so we have lambda from the discord channel who asks is liking cats a universal himbo trait uh just gonna so come and say yes i have a cat um i have a cat on cat on my lap like uh-huh. right are now. you a himbo <laughs> Thembo. Mm, no, no? <laughs> Thembo, sorry <laughs> maybe yeah. uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. I, 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 don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, it's, it would be hard. I, I feel like this dynamic is, is kind of a natural one, and I feel like Nareem really it's, sells it. It's not an uncommon yeah. one, but Rocky likes his yeah, dog. Yeah, that's Buster. the thing. I, w- I was specifically thinking of Rocky, and Rocky is a guy who, ha- who canonically has a dog. So maybe, maybe like we need to study this. I'd say just ge- general and general animals. Uh-huh. Is I was. It, it I was going to say this joke earlier because it was relevant. He also likes books about Viking times. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember that, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, himbos like... Uh, qu- no, they like uh, saying that everything you know about science is wrong. They like not knowing what a bird is or how blankets work. And they like cats and also dogs and Viking time books. Uh, based on our very large sample size of himbos that we know of, of, <laughs> of two, two. yeah. <clears throat> so that's that's gonna do it for this week. Um, M, is there anything you want to plug before you leave? Uh, you can find me at M of Healy on Twitter, and yeah, you could direct DM me over there. Uh, still selling co- copies of my of my book. For five dollars plus shipping. Mm-hmm. 
please, please, I want these things. I want these out of my house. <laughs> I have so many. Yeah, I'm imagining um, just like, just like giant mountains of books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> much like you know. Got to look at watch Daniel's out for apartments. those book slides. Yeah. I made a ter- I've made a terrible decision to order a second printing mm-hmm. in January in January 2020. Yeah, you so- couldn't have known, but ouch. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, Jack, is there anything you want to tell us before we leave? Uh, this week I'm going to fill in for uh, um, Eric's role and plug Anime Sickos. Specifically nice. the episode... Tom McHenry goes guesto mode in which he describes the most fucked up office experience of all time. <laughs> nice. Look forward to that. Uh, as for me, I've already plugged the podcast links. Uh, you can find my uh, personal Twitter account at the real Simben if you just want to like uh, follow what I do when I'm not talking about Stargate. So uh, that's going to be it for this week and see y'all next week on Cree.